Hey. Hello, this is Paul Podcast. It is my turn to do the intro to Different Times Podcast, but we're going to do a Danny different intro to the music. Danny, count it in. Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> just going to do three, two, one. Yeah, off, and then off you go, like the Ramones. One, two, three, four. No. See, I was thinking more Thunderbirds. You were. That's a good counting. Well, it's a counting to a kid's TV show. Thunderbirds, just so you know, in 1966, released a motion picture, a film. Is this the wrong podcast? <laughs> That's, you think Thunderbirds is horror, don't you? <laughs> it is based on a horror novel. Hello, we talk about music on this podcast Thank you, everybody out there that has been listening to last week's edition. I'm completely shocked. It's more successful than our old podcast that we did back in different times. Are you shocked by that, Dan? I was pleasantly surprised, yeah. Come closer to the mic. <laughs> you just don't want to be too close to my trousers. See a haircut. <laughs> yeah, what were you thinking with those trousers? They are like MC Hammer things but they do look look comfy where did you get them so i uh, i needed a new pair of shorts amazon i put in shorts and then i put linen <laughs> because i thought it's hot and i'm fat and i'm like some linen shorts please boss i like a linen suit no yeah especially that's, for traveling that's 80s linen suit beige linen suit with a black <laughs> shirt underneath and I, no. get, I get off the plane in florida looking like i know what i'm doing <sighs> miami that's what you're going on, Miami Vice. Do you roll up your sleeves? Yeah. Hey, Dan. So, this podcast, we do new albums, yeah? New records, new singles, new music, and then we go on to a magazine, am I right? That's yeah. that's the gist. That's what it's been for most of our career, yeah. So, I like the way it's going at the moment, and what I'm getting to here is... I'm sensing a butt. No, I, no. But you're fired, Danny Different. <laughs> Can the uh, listeners get in touch with us at, I don't know, what's an email address to contact us at? Where would you be able to contact us at different times? don't know if I want these people getting hold of me. I just wanted to know, is there anything that you want us to cover? Um, because as I'm completely sort of out of the loop with music. And I'm worried that what you're presenting me, Daniel, is... It's not on the hip parade. It's not It's not on the hip parade. Do you know what I mean? I'm worried. I've got green jelly. I got that down last week. Yeah. I think everyone's listening to if that. It's the new thing. Since we sort of mentioned it, they've had a real big revival. Uh, I listened back to another one of our episodes, and you're bringing forth Ugly Kid Joe. What's going on there? They're great. Okay. And now this week, we've got Frog Lord. What don't you know about Frog Lord? <sighs> it's, my, it's my album of the, album of the week. Cool. I've got a, a slight apology to make to you as well that's actually quite a big apology. You know how you like to keep hold of the magazines yes. that we talk about? Yes. Well, you gave me it to take home last week so I could read it and... Make know, notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I accidentally ripped the front cover off and I took it out of my satchel. 
So even before you'd put it at home on your table, it, you destroyed it. Yeah, so you might notice on the front cover it's got a little rip on the side because uh, I did manage to sort of push it back together for a photograph. And then the other night, I always... Well, I didn't always. I've just started keeping a, a glass of water next to my bed. So if I wake up in the night and I'm a little bit dehydrated, I can just have a sip of water mm. go back to sleep. Well... Being the clumsy bastard that I am, I knocked oh. the water over all of the magazine. <laughs> Just take it home with you and use it as kindling. It's, well, it's too wet to be kindling. Oh. It's all damp. <laughs> absolute, <laughs> you absolute Sorry. monster. Um, right, okay. We, we, we mentioned Frog Lord, but we don't have to start there, Dan. Let's start with these reviews. Because uh, I'm pretty... Last week, I hated it. Wasn't happy. Bosk was the best. Best of the worst, but now you've you've dished out some some big hitters here and some very small hitters. So um, yeah, lay it on me. What have you been listening to? Yeah, like I said, Frog Lord from Bristol. Yes, the thing I loved about this one instantly was the front cover, like instant point. Well done, Frog Lord. And then I played it, and it reminded me, you know. Uh, when we were starting out with ohms and we were just listening to any sludge any anything at all that i could get my hands on that was remotely doomy well we'd lap it up well this i would lap up then and i would lap it up now it's my favorite honestly it is my favorite one this month week whatever we're doing i just think these riffs are so easy to do um, the tone is so simple to get right and yet Everything about it should be like, oh, well, whatever. It's just another one of these bands. But I love it. Isn't I it love a it. one-man band? Yeah, one-man band from Bristol, like you say. Uh, the annoying vocals, I would normally say that's horrible. Why are you just doing this gruff vocal? But I loved it. Like, What did you get out of it? Did you know it's a concept album about the Frog Lord's battle to save the Earth from alien invaders? I wish I knew that. Uh, my favourite was actually the last song, which is a bonus track for some reason, called uh, Swamp Boogie. It's got almost like a monster magnet type swagger to it. Mm -hmm. Really cool. And not overly sludgy and heavy. Do you think, uh, sort of like someone that just dips their toe into this sort of thing, someone that might like the odd Electric Wizard record or an Orange Goblin record or something like that. Do you think that they're going to find this easy or is it just too lo-fi to get into? Yeah, I think you have to be educated in the genre to really get the joke. Not that it's a joke band, but it is very generic but and it knows what it is, but with a very straight face. Did you watch the video? Yes. <laughs> okay, so this explains the concept because I didn't know what the hell was going on. A uh, guy running around the woods in a, a frog suit. What's that? I mean, okay. Got nothing else to say. interesting video i would not recommend you watch it but do recommend that you listen to it it's called the mystic toad and i'm going to give it 4.5 out of 7 
That's my best score. Yeah, I got properly mugged off by Iron Maiden this week. What they do? They released a new song. So I'm in the office, like, do, 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 do. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, writing on the Wall. Writing on the Wall. New song by Iron Maiden. Because Iron Maiden have been showing stuff. Like, did you not see all that stuff about no, Balthazar? No, 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 like, no. come and see Balthazar's Feast and all that. Nope. It's today, but I don't think it started yet. It's like a thing on YouTube. Okay. But we'll have to we'll talk about that next week. But anyway, yeah, someone's put up this and I sent you the link. Yeah, I didn't don't look at your stuff that you send me. Yeah. Unless it's a meme. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was like, dudes, I'm in the office. There's a new Iron Maiden song. Fucking and it's just come out. Uh, and so everyone just Your work of, office. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good good for you. So everyone just like looks at me like shrugs their shoulders. Mm, going back to my laptop then. So I start playing it and it's like bit weird but it's definitely Iron Maiden you can hear it and then I start scrolling through the comments and it turns out it's not it's actually a song called Redemption by a band called Black Phantom but it's so close it's like a carbon copy of Iron Maiden that's just slightly shifted a little bit but I was convinced so whoever done that they proper tricked me I can hear your chair creaking just to let you know get a new chair (laughs) I did I did my other chair's fucked so I got that one (laughs) <laughs> okay, so somebody from Kerrang, probably Nick on Twitter, said something about he's been mugged off. So I guess this is the whole thing. This happened this week and I knew nothing about it. So Iron Maiden released a song that isn't an Iron Maiden song at all and it's not them releasing it. It's just a sound alike band. Yeah. Is this what we've got as news this week? Yeah. Have you got some more news? No. This is the only thing that happened. We're going to run with that as our news. That's good. Do you want me to... Do I talk about Holy Raw? Go on then. So I've had a couple of people ask me, and Daniel asked as well. Uh, So I thought I'd mention it. So Ohms is a band of singing, and we left the label because of, like, Me Too, something like that, that happened with regards to Holy Raw where the guy that runs the label uh, got accused online for for sexual abuse. That's really horrible, and it happens now almost on a weekly basis. Someone else in, within the heavy music scene is just outed as being a creep, and it's horrible. It's very sad, I, I understand that. But nobody really sort of gets the information about the people that are affected by it, that aren't the, the culprit and, uh, and aren't the abused. And so I thought I might give you my sort of little angle of that, if that's all right. So, yeah, we all of a sudden found ourselves with no label, with no boss to sort of help us through, like, the ins and outs of trying to sort of forge yourself ahead in, in the music world. And it was a really strange place to be. Because amazingly the roster was just so so good like there's so many amazing bands on holy raw we all got picked up for other labels like it was like i can imagine the feeding frenzy at like uh, <laughs> sea world or something you know when you just yeah, yeah totally it, it was it was great so like there was no problem for any of the bands being left in the lurch or any of that and that just you know the label had incredibly good taste um, but i just want to say that like there was also some stuff going about how there was this guy having a look at who didn't put a post up uh, about 
like slagging the label off and saying that we're going to leave the label and things like that. And that's a personal thing between the bands uh, and the label. You know, it's not for someone, a third party, to get involved and start talking shit about those bands that didn't want to get involved in all that crap. Yeah, I was, wasn't even in the band at the time, and I was still knocked for six. If someone had wanted me to say something straight away, I wouldn't have said anything. You know, I knew the guy. We weren't like mates or anything, but I certainly had a lot of trust in him. Well, yeah, everyone, I mean, the, the way of the internet, everyone is really quick to judge. To uh, And for me, like, uh, I think the majority of people in, in metal, I always side with the victim, like, straight away, and then we'll deal with it afterwards. You know, let, let's, you're not going to put that sort of thing forward unless there is something there. And yeah, before you knew it, several people had come out of the woodwork. Like that, that sort of thing, as I say, I don't want to get bogged down in the ins and outs. There's just no excuse for shitty behaviour. And this is the, the end result of it. Like, it put me off. And this is why we haven't done a different times podcast. And this is why the only bands that I'm listening to uh, for such a long time, for well over a year, are the bands that I manage. And it is purely because I fell out of love with music. That is the end result of this. That something that I truly believed in, I loved Holy Raw, like throughout years and years before me and you, when we formed Domes, like it was like, wouldn't it be amazing to be on this label with other bands that we love, Slab Dragger, Conan have been on this label, this is amazing, look at all these up and coming bands they've signed, like, and then we got on it, we were part of it, and it was just a dream come true, and he, he when we met up, a lovely guy and yeah we signed our sort of music away and like yeah let's be part of this thing and to have that just fall apart it really destroyed like the passion and the love that I have for music so Dan I just want to say this is such a cool thing to come back and do this and for you to introduce me to all these new things again because I don't think I'd be listening to it otherwise and you know would I have gone out and searched out Frog Lord Probably not. Definitely not. And now I have. So, yeah, thank you very much, Dan. You're pulling me out of a horrible shit-filled trench. I'm going to keep pulling you off day after day. Pull me off, buddy. Where, where are we going next? Uh, to the gates. <laughs> At the gates? These passed me by for fucking years, even though they, they broke up for, like, quite a long time, didn't they? From Was it, like, 96, and then they came back in 2007? At the gates have always been this like hole in my mind. I always thought they were entombed, so I always confused the the, the two bands together. No, I thought they were a Swedish hardcore band. <laughs> we're the wrong people to be doing a music show. <laughs> but yet okay. they just never. It was like one of those bands where you'd see the name, but they never they never sort of got into your ear holes. Like no one else knew them or liked them. They just sort of were there, weren't they? Well, they. I think we were on well onto other things like crazy screamo hardcore and all this like left wing crazy european stuff that was coming out on the underground and in the metal scene at the gates were breaking through so we were elsewhere at that time so yeah, yeah. maybe that's it it reminds me like of how i didn't know about amar for years i knew they were there but i'd never listened to them or anything then all of a sudden i listened to them and loved them and i was like oh man why have I not been listening to these guys? And I've got the same thing now with At The Gates, where I'm loving this. Wow, album. okay. Yeah, and I'm starting to say, well, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to 
get some of their old albums, like some of the really early stuff, and see if I dig it. People love them. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that you're, you're into this. Okay, so what was good about it? The name of a track. Garden of Cyrus was my personal favourite. Up until, yeah, I wasn't like blown away initially. So up until this song, it was like, okay, this is a bit weird. Not what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be like Earth Crisis or something like that. This song it just suddenly made the rest of the what I'd heard come together that sort of made sense and I suddenly realized what it was and actually they're a bit fucking epic did you like Thomas Lindbergh's voice if he's the singer yes <laughs> do you like the drummer's girlfriend's brother's voice yeah he's yeah. awesome so uh, that was my issue with this and it was very much like you know we reviewed Danny Elfman last time around and I thought the music was really quite impressive, but I couldn't get it with it because of the voice. I had a similar issue here, which I, I was key, keen to know how you thought uh, it stood. So if you're really into this, then you can obviously see past that. I find it a little bit cheesy. Really? Yeah. Cheesy? Really cheesy. It felt... I think it's because I watched the... When I was introduced to them, which was only on this album, I was straight into YouTube and watched a video... And that video is quite metal cheesy video. It's it looks quite cheap. I haven't and, seen it to be honest. Yeah. One thing that really got me, there's a fucking on this song I'm talking about, there's an oboe or a saxophone. I can't tell which instrument it is because they're right. very similar. <laughs> and it's not something you expect to pop up in like a death metal band. Or you say death metal, but they cover it they're sort of cross the spectrum from rock 
like straight up rock all the way to death metal. But then anyway, in this song, Garden of Cyprus, Cyrus, there's uh, all of a sudden an oboe or a clarinet maybe. Okay. It comes out of nowhere and it ends up being like a death metal Baker Street. You know, that Jerry Rafferty's stuff. That's a great, uh, yeah, okay, I'm down with that. Do you know what? I did listen to it all the way through uh, and it didn't ping out at me. My favourite on the album was the opening song, Spectre of Extinction. Uh, and yeah, I, I thought this is going somewhere. The way it built up reminded me of a way sort of maybe a, a, in the thrash era, you know, like Metallica had their acoustic intros. This is, and then other bands were trying to, right, we don't, might not necessarily do an acoustic one, but let's try some sort of other intro. And there was a lot of that going about, and I felt like this was very much of that ilk. And yeah, once the song kicked in, I was like, bloody hell, this is great. I absolutely loved it. So yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about, but I felt that was just like a bit generic for the first. Bloody hell. We're on different mindsets. Yeah, but now I go back to it, I appreciate it more now that I've, heard it all will you come back to this record are you going to keep it in your pile if i have time it'll definitely be in my uh pile okay <laughs> well yeah i mean i've seen your piles so i've got a cream for it now would you you're at work right you're on a toilet break you've gone to the toilet you can't listen to a podcast while you're on the toilet because they're not working don't know why that is but it's not happening so you're going to listen to music who are you just going to go, right, I'm on the on the loo, I've got a few seconds, no one's around. A few I'm seconds? Gonna... I've got like 18 minutes. You've got 18 minutes to have a poo. Who are you going to listen to? The new Iceburn album. <laughs> hate you. Okay, so <laughs> my, my contribution to the podcast today is Iceburn. So, right, Dan. Okay. Did you end up listening to their new record? Yeah, it's awesome. Two songs, wow. okay. two sides, both songs like 17, 18 minutes long. Yeah, um, bell. <laughs> someone else nicked our idea. Mm. Yes. And where did we put them on? Because in my brain, it's saying that we put them on at the Millennium Bar 2, or the Millennium Bar, the one on the seafront. I would agree. I cannot, this is the thing, I remember them in my house, I don't remember putting them on, I don't remember the gig. And I've looked through my flyers, and there's, uh, I, I did, I think, 114 gigs in total. And there is maybe 50 flyers that I haven't got. So it's just, Isn't I don't it a know. crocodile, and it's half-eating a lady? I wish I could say. I wish I could say. I tell you, I've got a funny story, though. With Iceburn, they started out on, oh, hang on, I know. They Victory. They, yeah, they started out on Victory Records. And then they went straight to Revelation, which is just like hard. And this is at a time when Victory Records was like number one hardcore label. And then Revelation. And so if you were a bit more cool, then you weren't into Victory. You went, you know, you, you bought, started buying Revelation stuff. And then they were on Revelation. So amazing. What pedigree. And when you listen to them old records, they're a bit, bit naff. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like the odd band out for them labels, I think. You know, every now and again, a label will release just this oddity. You know, oh, okay, weird. So, I got to them. Well, they got to me. They wanted uh, to do a tour of the UK. And I got sent their CD. And they were then called Iceburn Double Trio. Now, I'm going to stick on about 30 seconds. <laughs> in the track. 
Okay, so that's what they sound like. Now that is mad jazz. There was only one trumpet going on, but it sounds like there's four trumpets going on at once. It's completely spanner jazz. And I used to stick that on. If I was having a row with my missus at the time, I would stick it on and I could <laughs> see her gradually going more and more angry. Like, I'm, we're talking about, like, abusive women. This is nothing to be laughed at, what I did. But I would just continually, continually do this because I knew it was the instant trigger for her to, like, I have to leave this room. And me, being me, was just like, I love this band. I want to listen to this band. Sorry. Uh, and I, I didn't like it. As you can probably <laughs> hear, it's mental. So, and then we come to like, another 15, 20 years on, they're still kicking about. And then this week, they've released an album, or I say this week, this month maybe, and I can't even pronounce it. I've got Asclepius. Asclepius? Asclepius. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. Thoughts on this record? So you've mentioned already two songs, both really long. It sounds like they're making it up as they go along. Like just nothing, no riff is the same. It's not like a repeating over riff. They're always like mm -hmm. changing and mixing it up. But yeah, it's, it just goes on fucking ever. Like constantly changing, constantly evolving. Don't like his voice much, but you know, that's a, a little thing. The chap's name is Gentry Densley. Okay. And he's probably the only one that would have stayed around your house because apparently it's a bit of an evolving... Like, it has to be. It has to be. But how can you go... Like, you've got these two new songs. How can you now remember that and go and play that live somewhere? This is the thing. I think... Now you've said it. I didn't think this before. You just said it. So it's basically your idea and I'm going to claim it. I think you're <laughs> right. I think this is improvised. And I think he listens to nothing but the Melvins now. That's exactly what I put. Comes <laughs> off like the bastard child of the Melvins and Dillinger Escape Plan. Too right. It's it's frantic, but it's not fast. So it's, as you say, like they're not repeating things. And when they do, they might just repeat something on and on and on and on. But as soon as they change, they're not going back to it. Yeah. It sounds sloppy in places, which is why I think, again, you might be right, that if they've just gone into the studio and knocked this out... And then I found out it's on Southern Lord Records. Yeah. So, like, that is another great label to be part of. I'm I'm shocked by this. Um, it's really difficult for us to play, like, a 30-second blast of it and you get an idea of what the album is because... You can't. You, you, you can't. So we're going to stick on the full 20 minutes. No, no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, for this one, I gave it half points. I gave it one out of two. A half for each song. Yeah, ev I think everything was half. Okay, the front cover is half good. Each song is half good. Um, I just think that the, the issue with it is, is I can't remember it. And it's the thing I've listened to the most. I've been listening to this pretty much solid uh, once a day for seven days. So, you know, it's it's what I get up and walk the dog to. And yeah, I'm, I can't remember it, Daniel. I can't remember it because it is so long and so all over the place. And yet I stick it on and I'm like, yeah. So is that enough new stuff? Should we get onto the magazine? Please, let's get on. Let's stop talking about music. Let's talk about Kerrang! And I can't tell you which Kerrang! it is because I ripped the fucking front cover off. Well, can we? do we know what year it is? I think it's 2000. Didn't I send you a picture? 2001. This Kerrang is. Who was on the front cover, Daniel? I would tell you. 
that I can't see it because you burnt it. I don't know. And we got it was chest. No, it was what's the guy's name from Dexter the offspring Holland and the singer of AFI. So AFI singer Bob Stanley, and then <laughs> shh, shh, they didn't know that until you laughed. I had him, had him in the palm of my hands, and then yeah, you're right. You've got Death Thanks, the blonde, sort of slightly chubby, slightly cute guy. Definitely from, have. Like dreadlocks. Not on this photo. No, but he did do. I'm not misremembering that. He no, he like... did when he was all skinny Jimmy for the first album. What was that first album? Ignition. Ignition was the big one, but there was an album before it. Oh, The Offspring was the first one. Yeah, then it was Ignition, then it was Smash. And Smash is when they got big. Yeah, so he did, I think in one of the videos for Smash, he had uh, those lovely yeah, not dreads. proper dreadlocks. Braids. Braids. <laughs> I do like... In my teens to early 20s, I did like to copy bands' haircuts. Oh, yeah. I remember you having head from corn hair. I had head from corn hair at one point. That was amazing. Kurt Cobain hair, but everyone had that. Everyone had that, didn't they? But, yeah, I never went for the braids. No. Mike did. Oh, my word. Briefly. Yeah. Do you, do you, the audience, do they know Mike? I don't think so. All right, okay. Well, let's move on. So, anyway, Kerrang. Now, are you all right if I... We, we go article by article, bit by bit, yeah? Whatever you want. Okay, well, I'm going to start with one of the reviews. Because uh, I did a lot of record listening. Because, as I say, I've been out of the, the loop. And I never listened, back in the day, to a band that I know that you liked called True North. <laughs> This album is fucking amazing. I was um, I made a load of notes on it as one does. Brilliant. And then when I was driving over, I was like, I'm completely wrong. But back in the day, this is one of the bands that I'd like to sort of say to people, "Well, oh, listen to True North." And they'd be like, mm. I remember "Picture of a Car" was on the front cover. That's right. Yeah, uh, I've still got it on vinyl. Yeah, no one seemed to like. We speak in it. code. Yeah, we speak in code. Uh, no one else seemed to latch onto them. Same with bands like I Hate Myself and Twelve Hour Turn. Like no one else seemed to get it. Like I did, they sort of like became my little no idea thing. Everyone else seemed to prefer like the more deep elmy sort of stuff that I wasn't so into. But did No Idea Records have like a fan base uh, of like Holy Raw did, where you would just collect whatever band was on that label? Yeah, it was basically me, Dennis from Scene Police, yep. and Miles from Rydell. Okay, we've so got everything. There was the three of you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right, good. To the point where I actually went to Florida and visited the shop in Gainesville, and two members of Hot Water Music walked in. Oh, yes. Legend. Okay, so a true north from there. Yeah. Okay. It's scrappy, it's punk rock, and it is 
lightning fast in places. It's catchy. It's really good fun. Um, I I wish I'd given them a chance. Like you must have lent me it, or I must have heard it. No, because it was vinyl, so I didn't really have it in the car. Ah, okay. And what occurred to me when I was on my way over, like you could describe it as a poor man's hot water music that's gone a bit ADHD and spazzing out. Yeah. But where it actually fits, it for me now, it doesn't fit on no idea. It fits on like GSL records. Or what's the other one? Like the Swing Kids and all that were on it. And the Locusts were on it. 3-1-G. Thank you. That's where it fits. Like bands like um, Plot to Blow Up the Eiffel Tower and Festival of Dead Deer. I think it's more closer to that than it is Hot Water Music and all those sort of bands. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, it's that. that, Because the the funny thing about uh that label no idea they would always dish out these really cheap compilations i think they were called like back to donut is that right am i thinking the right thing yeah back to donut was like a life changer for me that got me into coalesce atom and his package fucking i'm just trying to think who else was on it 12 hour turn so many good bands in well, yeah you could buy it in a shop for 199 or if you bought any of their other bands albums off a distro They'd chuck it in that would chuck that in and you could discover so much. Atmini's package was one I remember yeah. discovering off that, uh, and so many more. And so, yeah, I think weren't Hot Water Music like the big band from this little tiny yeah. scene? So this is one of those also ran bands. Also ran. Also ran. You know, they're not quite Hot Water Music. They're sort of un- they're an undercard. Yeah. Yeah. So Karan gives this four Ks. Well deserved. And that's it. They nothing. We not. We don't hear from them again. Like I was flicking through some other Kerangs because I, I thought I'd discovered something amazing here, um, and yeah, I can't see any evidence of them in Kerang again. So it's just like Kerangs. Like this is great. Thanks for sending us this. That's it. They also had in the same issue that we're talking about Burnman, also on No Idea Records, which is sort of post-hardcore sort of stuff, and it had a member of I Hate Myself in it. But again, a band I really liked. I had this one on CD, but again, no one ever latched onto it like I did. So it just sort of became my little private listening. Is that Burn Man two words or one word together? One word together. Okay, right. That gets 4Ks as well. All right, Kerrang. Buddy, who do you think you are? Next up, Wheatus. They release uh, a single and they call it Teenage Dirtbag. Now, Dan Silver fucking slags this, gives it 1K. Let me see if I can find the review. Should I read the whole review? Read it. God! I think he might be a religious man. God. This is fucking horrible. Some major label, A&R, Know Nothing, has clocked the lowest common denominator success of Blink-182 and the Bloodhound Gang and, blinded by dollar signs, signed the first bunch of ironic punk dimwits he could get his coke-crazed claws on. <laughs> With their twee, pseudo-post-modern take on teenage delinquency, Wheatus think that they're being incredibly arch when it's in fact they're just a bunch of cunts. And no amount of knowing Iron Maiden references can possibly change that. Oh, that is a scathing, scathing review, Dan Silver. 1K. 1K. Um, so this song, I listened to it to refresh myself. thought it was alright. I fucking love it. <laughs> It brings tears to my eyes. It's so good. 
293 million streams on Spotify. Maybe all from you, by the sound of it, Dan. I've never listened to another Waiter song, funnily enough. But you can tell the singer, you know, he might have just been picked up, but he's real. He's, these things that he's saying about being dumped by a girlfriend or whatever it is and just feeling like a piece of shit, that like resonates with so many people. And this song was from a film as well, which called The Loser. With, oh, I don't know that. Yes, there's a lot of shit you don't know about Waitus, mate. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, uh, it was the the advertising a, a film called The Loser with the man who fucked the pie in American Pie. Oh, right, and okay. also pretty sure the girl from American Beauty, I can't remember their names. No. And they do go and see Iron Maiden. But it's like every like 16-year-old's like dream, if this beautiful girl came up to you and she's talking to you, and she goes, got two tickets to Iron Maiden, please come with me, you'd have been well happy. I don't know. Depends on the girl. She likes Iron Maiden. <clears throat> I just thought it was a good pop song. End of really. What is there to hate about it? There's bigger fish to fry, right, than giving this single 1K. Now, I know they, they're just seeing it as corporate schlock, but it's gone beyond that and it's just become fucking legendary to the point where at Weezer shows, Weezer play it sometimes because people think... It's them. As as did I. <laughs> as did I. Because when I played Teenage Dirtbag on this for this, yeah, it's uh, it's Wheatus. There you go. But Wheatus are called Wheatus. Weezer are called Weezer. It's pretty close. It's close, and they sound similar as well. Well, how dare you? Sorry. Says every Weezer fan that's listening to this. Sorry. So, do you have? I've got one more thing to talk about from this Kerrang. Do you have anything else before I go again? No. Well, let's talk about it. Do you remember? And this is the only article we're talking about from this issue with Dexter Holland and uh, Bob Mould from AFI. <laughs> uh, so, Raging Speedhorn. I remember we didn't put them on, did we? No. It wasn't a geek scene promotion, it was a slash and burn. Our friends Phil and Rob. They put them on in. 99 maybe yeah i think that's about right at the lido in margate our favorite place ever before they hit the big time before they hit the kerrang times yeah just before wasn't it before yeah yeah it just before so pro actually it was probably oh it might have been 2000 come on let's get it right i can't remember okay so fucking long ago i do want to know how long ago it was mm -hmm. 21 years blimey fast maths so I'd never actually heard the music of Rage and Speedhorn, have you? Did you listen to them for this? Let me give you a little run through, Dan. So we're going to play a little bit now. So is this old school or new Raging Speedhorn? So this is the debut album has been released and they're just about to release their second album. Okay, now their first one 
is the one that people tend to love looking now from today's vantage point but i think it's a little bit ropey and when i say it's a little bit ropey it's quite ropey but the follow-up album they've sort of smoothed some of the production issues out a little bit they uh, are written down here at best they sound like a non-racist pantera <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, remember, I remember seeing them at the time and loads of kids were like really into it and moshing away yeah i think not for me but fucking hell they're good at what they do at worst they sound like the worst new metal has to offer from the uk so remember a couple of those bands when when new metal was starting to like infect the uk a little bit and you had the underground scene which all of a sudden stopped being so hardcore and then there was a lot of new metal influences. Uh, oh my God, we lockdown. went... Lockdown? Lockdown was one. There's a couple of others. But anyway, some real... Free bass? <laughs> <laughs> the guys with free bass would come and kill you for saying that. No, I didn't mean that as an insult. I'm just trying to... Make... <laughs> there was another... Medulla Nocte? No, they would definitely kill me. <laughs> God, do you remember when we saw them at the Cardinal's Cap? I've got a chip in my tooth still where I was drinking a Budweiser and someone moshed into me and whack. Man, new metal. UK new metal. Terrible. Well, anyway, this sounds like that sometimes at its very worst. So, yeah, be aware that if you've not heard them before, then that's what you're getting at that time. I've listened to some new stuff of theirs and, yeah, really good. Has it still got a new metal influence? Not really. It's more stonery sludge. Because they're fucking loved now by the sort of northern side of things, aren't they? Yeah, that, that northern sludgy contingent love them. And I always thought, what is that about? Why are they getting so much love? And then when you listen to like the very creme de la creme of them first two albums, and also a ton of the new stuff, you can see why. If anything, they're underrated. Because I think their past holds them back, if that makes sense to you. It's just everyone's got that old oh, raging speed horn, like from when New Metal and Stoner was just coming about and them sort of blending that together a little bit. And that's that's what my memory was. And until I actually, actually educated myself this week, that's what I thought. But no, I'm very, very content that when I do eventually go out and see gigs again... They're going to be on one of them somewhere and I'm going to watch them this time and I'm going to love it. So yeah, there, there was, we go. There was one quote in the article which uh, I thought only Dick would say that, but actually it's true. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, We're certainly not desperate to break into the mainstream, but we wouldn't refuse to embrace that sort of success if the opportunity came along. That whole underground mentality is stupid, grunts John. What band wants to play to 10 people in a shitty pub and still work in a fucking cabbage factory if they have the choice? Which, yeah, it's like your old hardcore ethics, as you get older, erode away. But theirs were eroded right back then. They knew where the target was. They knew where they wanted to be. Yeah, I think once you get a taste of it, it is addictive. And they did some big old tours with some big old bands and like that, the carrot that's dangling in front of them, you know, especially as you're not compromising in what you're doing, just fucking go for it. Uh, I will say one last thing about this band. They are the ugliest band that I think I've ever seen. And I'm including the back cover of Kill 'Em All in that. Like they are quite ugly. 
They make me and you look like bros. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So just be aware of that. Um, if I do meet you on the road, guys, don't hit me. Anything else we would like to say for the listeners before your final thoughts? Any other thoughts about this issue of Kerrang! Uh, from 2001, maybe? It was <laughs> definitely from the era when I didn't give a shit about Kerrang! Oh, we were we were up our own asses at this point. I was amazed that there was some stuff that we actually listened to. In it, yeah. yeah that was amazing. Like True North uh, and this issue making me discover them. Bloody hell. One final bit that I took a photo of that moved me almost to tears when I saw it was an advert for the Underworld. Oh, yeah. And it had Elliot, supported by Sun Factor, rest in peace, and Kids Near Water and Scuttle. And I actually, me and, do you remember Claire? Of course you do, who doesn't? Claire Mills? Yep. We were in the car on the way up. It was my blue Escort. Oh, my God, you saw that gig? And it broke down on the way and I had to get towed all the way back from like two minutes from Camden all the way back to fucking uh, Herne Bay. I bet, did they all go to the gig and make you go home? Yeah, we were all following Miles uh, from Rydell. Yeah. So thinking about it, I should have just dumped the car and jumped in with him and I think it was Claire Cowper and gone to the gig and worried about the car later. But I was like, oh, my car... In fact, Miles even jumped out and mended it at one point. I don't know what was wrong. <laughs> but uh, he had, he's always had, had like quite a mechanical sort of brain on him and he opened up the bonnet, oh, you need to do this, that, the other. And they were driving along and by that time he'd got ahead of me, the car blew up and was just like, oh, well. <sighs> Sorry to hear that, mate. But weirdly, I then made friends with the guy who drove us back, like the AA guy. <laughs> And we became friends on Xbox Live and played Call of Duty Modern Warfare together. Ah, so so all these people you've just introduced, no reference for the audience at all. And the moral of the story is, it's okay because you, you've got a good friend out of the whole thing. Yeah. All right, um, Daniel, any final thoughts? No. Any final thoughts from you? How dare you? It's not being nice being put on the spot, is it? Uh, Well, yeah, I have got a final thought. Mm. Uh, And the final thought is... No. There's a man shouting at his dog outside. I I have no thoughts. Right, well, thanks for listening again, guys. Uh, We're going to do our best to get this out for you for Saturday. If it's any later than Saturday, I do apologise, but it's Paul's fault. Bye. Bye.